This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And there's exciting times here at Thinking Bigger Business Media. If you own a company that has fewer than 25 employees, then you need to nominate yourself, your company, for the annual 25 Under 25 Awards. This is our 14th year of hosting this program, and nominations will be open until October the 14th. You can go to our website, www.25under25.com, to find out what the eligibility requirements are and get that nomination in. If you don't want to nominate your company or if it doesn't meet the requirements, I know that you know other companies that do meet the requirements. Do them a favor nominate them, we'll get an application package out, and they can fill it out, and then we can send them on to the judges. So 25under25.com, go on out, nominate your own company or a company that you do business with because this is a great recognition program. And then also mark your calendars for September the 25th when we have our third quarter Thinking Bigger Breakfast. It's called the Big Breakfast, and we're going to have four great panelists. You can go out to www.ithinkbigger.com and find out all the information and register. Bring out a couple of your business friends, too. It's a great networking experience. Plus, you'll gain a lot of insights from our panelists. So, ithinkbigger.com, go out and register. Our guest today is Jim Beach. He's the author of School for Startups. He's been featured in a UPS commercial. He has been referred to as a Simon Cowell of Venture Capital by CNN, and he's been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine and other major media. He's a well-known international speaker and a recognized leader in entrepreneurship. He also has a School for Startups radio show, and the list of accolades go on and on and on. We're very excited after we get back from this break to be talking with Jim and finding out from him what it takes to be an entrepreneur. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Looking to establish your brand as an industry leader? Want to deliver helpful, relevant content to your niche audience? Look no further. Our staff at Custom Publishing can produce branded newsletters, magazines, podcasts, and so much more. We'll take you from concept to distribution or assist you with any stage in between. Writing, editing, design, audio production, voiceovers, digital, print. If you have a communication need, we have a solution. Call 913-831-8100. Call us today and discuss the possibilities. That's 913-831-8100 for all your custom publishing needs. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. As I said, our guest today is Jim Beach, the author of School for Startups and a 
radio host for a radio show by the same name. Welcome to the show today, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you, Kelly. Now, you have a different approach to entrepreneurship. You actually blow a lot of the myths and a lot of the, what well, you call them misconceptions, a lot of people's ideas of what entrepreneurship is right out the window. So let's start with what the average person thinks about entrepreneurship. What do they think it is? Well, I think if we were to walk down the street and ask 100 people or play Family Feud, the top <laughs> three answers on the board are entrepreneurs are creative people that take big risks doing things that they're passionate about. You know, it's creativity, risk, and passion. And I think, Kelly, that that's the problem. People think that, well, I have to be creative to be an entrepreneur. I have to be a big risk taker or, ooh, I don't have a big passion. You know, I don't know how to make my my passion into a, a business. And so they sit on the sidelines. So people that could be great entrepreneurs who could have much happier lives with, you know, much greater fulfillment are doing nothing because they believe these three myths. But in fact, I don't think that you have to be creative to be an entrepreneur. It, it helps, but it's not a requirement. I don't think that risk is good. I hate risk. I don't like jumping out of airplanes either. And so I'm certainly not going to risk my family or my house. So I, I, I try to teach zero risk entrepreneurship. And Kelly, I think passion is reserved for the church, synagogue, or your mosque in the bedroom. And that's it. I don't need to be passionate about my businesses. I don't even understand that concept. I'm passionate about my family and friends, but I'm certainly not passionate about selling a purse or being a dentist. I like those things. I love what I do, and I really enjoy it. But I would rather be at Disney World, you know, so I don't understand passion either. So we can talk more about all three of them, but those are the misconceptions. Creativity, risk, and passion. Okay, and those misconceptions actually act as barriers to entry to entrepreneurship. Even though we do have a high entrepreneurship rate here in the United States, your premises or your assertion is that it would be even higher if people could get past these misconceptions. Yeah, definitely. You know, actually entrepreneurship is on the decline in America right now. It's at one of the lowest levels it's ever been. And maybe that's why the economy is not rebounding so well right now. You know, it's up to us entrepreneurs to go and create the new jobs. And I believe that there are millions of people sitting on the sofa waiting to be an entrepreneur, but they're, you know, they're using these excuses. Well, I can't do it right now. My boys are about to go off to college. This isn't the time for me to start a business. Or Kelly, how many times have you heard this? When God strikes me with a creativity lightning bolt and gives me an idea, boy, am I going to jump to it and start my business then. Have you ever heard that? Oh, definitely. There, you know, you have to plan for the perfect time. Uh, let's break down the three misconceptions that you outlined for us. Creativity was the first one. Does creativity play any role in a business? And if it doesn't, then where do you get that spark for what kind of business to start? Hey, no, creativity is great. I don't want to... You know, say, like, I don't care about creativity. Of course, it's a wonderful thing, but it's just not required to be an entrepreneur. Let me throw out some names. Adidas, Nike, Burger King, McDonald's, Crystal, uh, Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott. You know, there's lots of businesses that are in the same industry. There's nothing wrong with being in the same industry as someone else. So don't worry about you have to do something new and creative. If you want to be an entrepreneur and take control of your own destiny, 
start a business, and it doesn't have to be sexy or creative. My wife bought one of those systems that you buy, you know, $100. It got a book. It says, here's how to start a business. Well, she made $68,000 in the first year and still has a full-time job, Kelly, and still takes care of our three-year-old baby boy and still cooks dinner every night. Mm-hmm. You know, these there are ways out there of going out there and doing it with zero creativity. Read Inc. Magazine, see what someone in, in Seattle is doing and say, I could do that in Kansas City. There's no reason I can't do that in, in Des Moines, you know. Finding an idea is not that special. There are tons of ideas. In the index or the appendix of my book, we give out 40 business ideas that you could start for under $500. If you go online and type in businesses to start for under $500, if you type that into Mr. Google, you're going to be inundated with responses. The ideas are out there. So being creative is not the, the issue. It's simply finding a problem to solve. And there's billions of problems. I have problems. I bet, Kelly, that you have problems in your life or you know someone with problems. Therefore, you qualify to be an entrepreneur. That's all it takes. And so if you find an idea that you like, just do it better than anyone else. You know, I don't think I want you sitting on the sofa waiting. When you can just become an entrepreneur, when you go to the bank and deposit your first $100, they're not going to say, well, we're only going to give you 90 in your account because this business is a copy of someone else. They don't say that. <laughs> your happy customers don't care where you got your idea from. No one cares where the creativity, the spark comes from. If you copy someone else's business, find a business that's cool, do it a little better than those people, you still get credit for being an entrepreneur. Another misconception that you mentioned is risk. You also just gave an example of your wife starting a business while she has a full-time job and still bringing in $68,000 a year with that extra with that business. So talk to us about risk and and how to mitigate it and why it really doesn't have to be a factor. Well, I've been $10 million in personal debt and I have taken huge risks And, Kelly, I just don't sleep well at night. You know, I like the idea of sleeping good. And I like not waking up in a cold sweat. And I'm not, you know, I I hate it when my banker calls and says, you know, we're going to take your house away and all of that. Risk just is not necessarily fun. I think that successful serial entrepreneurs, the people who do this again and again, hate risk and avoid it at all costs. So we use other people's money. We go out there and get contracts in place before we start our business, before we spend a lot of money. We do anything that we can to ameliorate the risk, to reduce the risk, so that it's an easy decision. If I only am risking $800, well, that's a risk I'm willing to take. That's not going to cost me my house. $800,000, on the other hand, i got to think pretty hard about starting that business. So if we can take risk and do anything we can and everything we can to reduce it, we're going to be better off. You know, you might say, well, you can't start the business I want to start without taking some risk. Then my response to that is, as a beginning entrepreneur, you should start that business. There are too many businesses out there that are almost zero risk. Uh, People think that I'm crazy when I say that, but, again, the example of my wife, she spent – 
I think like $100 to buy a book. She spent $35 to incorporate a new business in our state. And then she bought some inventory. Her whole risk was like $135. That's not risk. You know, we can afford to lose that. That's what we would spend if we went out on a nice date on Saturday night. It can be done. 430 of today's Fortune 500 businesses were started with less than $5,000 of contemporaneous money. Hmm. Big businesses can be built with no risk and a small investment at the beginning. And people think, oh, it takes a billion dollars or it takes a million dollars to start this business. Don't start that business. Start something else first until you get to the point that you can personally afford to put in a million dollars into your new business and it not be risky to your family. I just think risk is a bad thing. I'm going to do every single thing I can to reduce it, but I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm going to go find a way to start a business on the cheap and make money that way. Yeah, slow and steady growth. Passion, that was the third one that you brought up. Don't you have to like what you do? I mean, you're doing it every day. Don't you have to have some passion for it? Well, like and passion are dramatically different words. I do think you need to like what you do. But you know what? I have a passion for freedom. I have a passion for working when I want to. If I want to go to ballet practice at 2 with my daughter and soccer practice at 3 with my son, I can. If I want to make more money, I work harder. That's cool. I have a passion for the freedom. I have a passion for the lifestyle. My office, the place I work, happens to be at my house. That means I don't have a long commute. That means I don't spend time in the car all day. My office overlooks a gorgeous swimming pool. I have a passion for the freedom, the ease of lifestyle. My life is cooler and easier than most people's because I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm passionate about that. And I would suggest that that's passion enough. I'm willing, Kelly, to buy, sell, trade, anything that's moral or almost legal, <laughs> if I can make some money from it and go to Disney more. I don't understand people who love purses so much, so much, that I have to sell purses for the rest of my life. I just want to have enough money so that I can support my family and do some really cool things that I am passionate about, like taking my wife on a wonderful vacation. You know, and the lifestyle is good enough. My lifestyle is better than all of my friends' lifestyles. I'm passionate about that. So why not find a business that gives you an incredible lifestyle that you can be proud of and you can be passionate about? The product, though, maybe you should learn to make it incidental. Right. So the business is a means to achieving the things that you are passionate about. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to be talking to Jim about what the different skills are, what the different things are that you have to do to ensure that successful startup with the low risk uh, and, and cut through some of those misconceptions. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Thinking Bigger Business Media is accepting nominations for the 14th Annual 25 Under 25 Awards. These prestigious awards recognize 25 outstanding businesses with under 25 employees. We're looking for dynamic Kansas City area for-profit companies with under 25 employees that have been in business at least three years and have shown steady growth, a commitment to the community, and an ability to overcome challenges. If your company or a company you do business with qualifies for the 25 Under 25 awards, fill out a nomination form online at 25under25.com. That's 25under25.com or call 913 913- 
432-6690 for details. Self-nominations are encouraged. Apply now. Nominations are now open and close October 14 for 25 under 25. Special thanks to our sponsor, UMB. Visit 25under25.com to nominate your business. On September 25th, nourish your body and your business at the Big Breakfast, a quarterly event spotlighting the entrepreneurs featured on the cover of Thinking Bigger Business magazine. They'll share stories from their own companies and advice that you can put to work in your business. Plus, you'll meet the staff of Thinking Bigger Business magazine and learn how you can become involved with the only publication in Kansas City that exclusively serves growth-minded small business. Find out more information and register at ithinkbigger.com. That's ithinkbigger.com. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here this morning with Jim Beach. He's the author of School for Startups and also a radio show host by the same name. We've been talking about the misconceptions of entrepreneurship and how really anybody can become an entrepreneur. And Jim, what I'd like to talk about now is you have an MBA experiment that you did. Talk to us about that. Well, I had just sold a business with 700 employees and was offered to be a a professor at our downtown local university here in Atlanta, was teaching an MBA class. And so these were really smart kids, you know, mostly in their 30s. They had full-time jobs, were taking night classes to get their MBA. And I was like, this entrepreneurship stuff is so easy. And they were like, no, Jim, it's pretty hard. I was like, that was really easy. And I ended up making a bet with the class that I could start a business that semester, make 100% cash flow positive, and repay all of my startup capital. And they got to choose the country and the industry that I would start the business in. And I had three months to start a successful business in that industry. Well, the first time they did it, they selected Pakistan and furniture. So I had wow. three and a half months to build a Pakistani furniture company. And I won the bet. And I won the bet 12 semesters in a row by following this formula. I never started with more than $5,000. I also did, it wasn't hard to come up with things. We, we, we kind of bid creativity. So Pakistan and furniture, I had seen in a store a piece of luggage made out of a carpet. They took a carpet and made a nice luggage out of it. I was like, that's really cool. Pakistan is famous for its rugs. Why don't we make furniture out of rugs? And so Hmm. we used old killum carpets, old Persian rugs, and we would Mm -hmm. cut those up and make that as a fabric for a beautiful armchair or a two-person sofa or something like that. It was a beautiful product. To have one manufactured and get it shipped into the United States cost about $400. I could sell it because it was a unique work of art for two or Mm $3,000. If I sold two or three chairs, I was already in black and was already profitable. Right. Wow, that's a pretty interesting formula. By limiting my risk, the bet works out. And so I, I think that just works in life. By limiting the amount of money that you put in, you get to profit sooner, you take less risk, and then you start growing your business based on profit. Slow and steady, as you said a few minutes ago. I love that as opposed to risky and like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Now, does that business, does it still exist? Uh, actually, it was the factory was destroyed in the earthquake of ah. before 2006. Um, we made for several years beautiful, beautiful chairs 
and sold them to very, very high-end stores to interior decorators. And the Ritz-Carlton bought a bunch of them to put next to dry stacked stone fireplaces and distressed leather sofas. They look beautiful there. I bet they did. Okay, so let's talk about multiple income streams. It sounds to me like with the different types of businesses that you're describing, that you could actually have a few of these going at a time. Yeah, I mean, think how cool it is. My wife has a full-time job, and she makes $68,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. If she loses her job, she still doesn't lose her house, right? We still eat. The electricity stays on. Think about this, a landscaper with 100 clients versus the vice president of development for Coca-Cola. Who has more risk in their life? Well, I would say that the vice president of Coca-Cola does. Is it possible that that person, that man or woman, will be right-sized, downsourced, outsourced, resized, fired because their department is it's very conceivable they could lose their job? for doing absolutely nothing wrong. Whereas if the landscaper loses one of his clients, five of his clients, he still has 95 other sources of income. Mm -hmm. I like having as many things as possible. If you have a job right now, keep it, but develop a business that you can do from 5 p.m. until midnight every night. That's another way of reducing your risk and making your family stronger. And eventually, hopefully, that business will grow so strong that you can quit your day job and then start another business. The coolest thing in the world is to have the safety of multiple income streams so that if one thing goes bad, you can have something else. You have really good sales one year and one thing, that makes up for something that's got a down year. Right, It's just, right. again, a way of reducing risk so that, you know, you and your family have income no matter what happens. Yeah. Now, now go back to, I, I didn't quite catch that. Did you say that you should quit your day job at some point? You know, I, this is kind of silly, and I say this euphemistically. I don't want you to quit your day job until they fire you, and I want you to take up smoking. All of my entrepreneurs need to be smokers smoking? so that you can, yeah, so that, you can take that 15-minute break that smokers get and go outside and use your cell phone oh, to do your okay. entrepreneur stuff. We're not really smoking, but we're going to pretend that we are and go until our boss fires us, you know. Finally, you know, what? you're just not as good an employee as you used to be. What happened? Well, I started my own business. Aha, you're fired. Well, you know what? I can support myself now. Um mm-hmm. I would keep that job until either your business requires that you work there full-time, but by then I would already have an employee. Imagine getting a 20-hour employee and you still keeping your job with those things. You know those special magic things that we have out there, Kelly, called benefits, yes. health insurance? You want to keep those things. They help, don't they? They make life yeah, a little easier. I like, <laughs> I like having benefits and health insurance. You know, for us entrepreneurs, that's one of the things we have to figure out. Where are we going to get our health insurance? Got, it's got to be part of your picture. Got to figure that out. Okay, we just have a minute left here, but I want to make sure we talk about the corridor principle. What is that? If you're standing at the beginning of a hallway, you can't see into the rooms on either side. But as you walk down that hallway and start on the path of entrepreneurship, 
opportunities present themselves in the rooms on either side that would have never presented themselves if you hadn't started walking down the path. Walk down the path of entrepreneurship and new ideas, new creativity, all sorts of things will expose themselves because you ventured down the hallway. If you don't start down the hallway, you'll never see what's in the rooms on the side, and that's where life gets really exciting. Great principle. And if we'd like to find out more about you, Jim, about your book, about your radio show, where would we go? Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Entrepreneur Jim. And the radio show is schoolforstartupsradio.com. The book, School for Startups, is on Amazon. And my email address is james.beach at att.net. Love to hear from anybody. Yeah, and if you didn't get all that written down, just Google Jim Beach. It'll all come right up. Thanks so much for your time today. We really enjoyed having you and listening to all your insights. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Twitter at ithinkbigger or on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.